The Spectrum Center is going to undergo renovations. Does that lock the Charlotte Hornets in to the city of Charlotte for the considerable future? And is their head coach going to be Quinn Snyder? How much of a possibility could that, how much of a possibility does that have of taking place? You also have Montrez Harrell, the player capsule, coming up later on today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Not giving you the cleanest intro in the world, but we're still going to give you an episode regardless. So we appreciate you standing by with us. I'm Walker Mail. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. I've been covering Charlotte sports for a while. I'm alongside Doug Branson, the founder of the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. Make sure you like us on Facebook. We're on a quest for a thousand Facebook likes. If we get there, Doug is going to dress as grandmama. I feel like people are getting more and more excited about that possibility. What is uh, our like total right now on Facebook, Doug? Have you checked in a while? I haven't checked out. You know what? I'm going to save that check for Friday. Friday, we're going to okay. find out just how close we are. So tune in Hive Live. Or if you don't, <laughs> if you want to know that number right now, go to Facebook and like us. Yeah, it's, it's like this big secret. We don't even know. We'll let you know on Friday if you want to find out just via us. Also, thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, where we are putting out a live stream right now. Something else we're experimenting with because Doug is someone that is always needing to just tweak or work on else like there, there's always something else Doug could be doing and it is an admirable uh, uh, character trait that he has that he continues to work on something else to enhance this podcast why do you think so I'm not sure if I producer mean, Katie always thinks that my tinkering is uh, something that's admirable but I appreciate it yeah we're getting mm-hmm. experimental here on the YouTube channel uh, we've got a 24 uh, 7 live stream that we're, we're actually <laughs> broadcasting this <laughs> recording right now we're broadcasting it live on that stream so we're going to kind of do our recordings live i don't know how how long this is going to continue i don't know if we have the tech to actually make this happen i don't know if uh, we have it held up time. last night mm-hmm. yeah it I, held up last night it, so, so i i just think it's hilarious that this is an actual thing we have it's almost like it, you know what it does, Doug? It allows me to completely understand your background in 24-7 jewelry television. Because here we are. Just, hey, we have a product. Let's just keep it on TV all the time. Let's just allow people to view us every second of the day. 24-7 of Walker Mail and Doug Branson. I... That can't be a good thing, though, right? Well, like, so what I what I hope to do is put classic episodes of Locked On Hornets. So the time that I ate the one chip challenge, the time we oh, interviewed yeah. Del Curry, the time we interviewed Steve Martin. Just get some classic episodes up there. Get some David, get some Steve Bob era stuff up there. Get some Nada era stuff up there. So it, it, it's going to be a cool thing. And and also uh, there's some chill beats up there. I I've been producing some stuff, so I hope to get you know, some like of my that. original. Original beats up there, get music to be more of a part of this. Also, I mean, Walker, your your whole background is in live radio, so I'm just trying to get us a little closer uh, to that world. So anyway, yep. enjoy it. Go to yep. go to YouTube, go to the 24-7 stream, subscribe. You can chat. I mean, I think, you know, 24-7 streams are kind of a thing on YouTube, and, and a lot of it, I feel like, is less about what is actually being broadcast and more about the chat, the community. People have been chatting there the whole time, so go check it out. Yeah, it's hilarious to me that right. there is a, some, something you can check out 24-7 that 
is showing us. But the classic episodes are going to be cool, so make sure you go to YouTube. We're doing some fun stuff here in the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and we're growing every single day. It's I don't know if overwhelming is the word, but it's just awesome to see. We're really appreciative of your support. It's very cool. All right, let's talk about the Spectrum Center renovations. How about this? They're growing. Yeah, Yeah, they're growing too. In fact, they're going to be growing across the street across Brevard, across the street where the transportation center is. They might have a new practice facility there. In fact, it does look exactly like that is going to happen. So Rod Boone talked about this. The Charlotte Observer wrote this yesterday. Charlotte, the city, um, not the Hornets, but the city proposes $215 million in renovations for Spectrum Center and the new practice facility. A couple of the write-ups here are, quote, the city of Charlotte is proposing that in investments that would upgrade the Hornets' home at the Spectrum Center and build the NBA team a practice facility for $60 million. Under the proposed deal, the city of Charlotte would extend its lease with the Charlotte Hornets to 2045, and the existing lease is set to expire in 2030. So you have 15 years um, year uh, added on after that. The new practice mm-hmm. facility outside the arena will come from a separate pool of funding. Construction is expected to begin this summer and take four years, none of the games are going to be put on hold because of this, by the way. In fact, I think the idea is that you're going to be holding some sports festivities. You're going to be holding events close to 100, I think, is what Fred Woodfield had to say, I was, as was mentioned in this article. I want to get to some funding stuff here in just a moment, but what are your first thoughts seeing this, right? Spectrum Center, undergoing renovations, yeah. practice facility, maybe where the transportation facility is, um, is now, and if, if that is the case, then that will then go underground. So yeah, interesting yeah. there. Um, your your uh, entire thoughts, Doug. Share, well, there, share there's a lot here. So let's start with why you should care as just a Hornets fan in general. Maybe you don't live in Charlotte. Maybe you don't live in North Carolina. I know we've got a lot of international fans as well that, that watch this show. So why should you care? Well, the, the big reason is that the city of Charlotte now has an agreement with the Charlotte Hornets uh, to, that goes through 2045. And you know if you've been a Hornets fan for a long time, you know the sting, if you'll pardon the pun, of the city of Charlotte getting in a fight with the team Charlotte Hornets and and what that resulted in uh, when that team moved uh, to New Orleans in uh, two thousand after the two thousand one two thousand two season and how much that hurt. I mean it it made me stop watching professional basketball for several years. It took me a little while to get on the Bobcats train. Um, so that's a big deal that that we have that figured out and that we don't have to go through any of that stress for uh, you know many many years to come. Uh, so that's number one. I mean, you have to feel good about that, right, Walker? Yeah. So, and I, I want to talk about that even a little more so because Doug, you mentioned it. I think this city probably lives in more fear of that specific discussion of a sports, a professional sports franchise moving to a different city. Then other cities really worry about Seattle is one. They're always going to be through it. Right. We've we've been through it. And Doug, Carolina, the Panthers owned by David Tepper, (laughs) still making weird moves now just with a different uh, professional sports team. He brought one here and now is making weird moves, firing a coach that was doing a good job with Charlotte. So this is Charlotte FC, the soccer club, for those that don't know. Right. So that's kind of besides the point. But. I mean, Doug, doing live radio for, you know, however long now, like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I I know the fear and I know that how soon that is a discussion point whenever you have this type of conversation where, hey, is there a chance that the city could lose that sports franchise? Here we are talking about the Carolina Panthers building a new facility in Rock Hill. 
Here's David Tepper talking about this is the Carolina Panthers, and so we want to embrace South Carolina and North Carolina. On the flip side, now David Tepper, when he talks about potentially building a new stadium, he's saying the fans are going to have to want it. They're going to have to pay for it. I'm not going to pay for it. Well, now, like, one, it might breed some fear into you just in any other city because those comments are a little scary, but we've also gone through this before as Charlotte yeah. Hornets fans. And so now when you discuss having the Hornets having already left, kill, right? It, it didn't matter if we filled up the Charlotte Coliseum every single game better than every other NBA team. It doesn't yeah. matter that we did that. They still left. It, it's nice to see some type of confirmation and contract in place that would have the team here where there are renovations done, where there's a new practice facility, there's something happening that leads you up to 2045. Now with even at least some kind of raised fear with yeah. the Carolina Panthers also beloved. Well, and, and so you should know that this uh, Uptown Arena is within still the top quarter of new arena. So it's not that old uh, relative to other arenas in the NBA. So this is a nice way to avoid that conversation mm -hmm. until 2045. But I guarantee you when 2045 rolls around, that's going to be the conversation. It's not going to be more renovations. It is probably going to be, you know, what does a new arena look like uh, possibly in Uptown? So, but at least we delay that conversation for a little while. So to me, that's why you should care as a Hornets fan. Also, you know, the Hornets might be uh, on the verge of a breakthrough in terms of how good they can be. And so it is nice that they're going, going ahead and doing these renovations. Now, you know, you don't want to be in an Eastern Conference finals and then, you know, inviting the national media to see your facilities and those facilities being critiqued. So it's nice that they will have some state of the art stuff going on if they do indeed put the, uh, you know, talent on the court to match. So I think that's important. If you're in Charlotte, I think you care about this because. The funds are not coming out of the general fund. So if you live in Charlotte or you live in North Carolina and you visit Charlotte a lot, that's a nice thing. It's coming out of the tourism dollars. So the tourism dollars feeding more tourism dollars. Um, that's always nice. That seems to be a trend among house cities. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. They're about to put $2 billion into a new Titan stadium. And it's all being the, the city's portion of it is being generated out of tourism dollars. People are just over like you can't take money out of the general fund that's going to schools and different things you can't take money out of that to build new toys which you also love because i will make another comparison to the carolina panthers it's david tepper saying i'm not going to pay for a new stadium and the city's going to have to pay for it if there's some kind of deal where he gets a third i don't know what psl owners whatever right people are paying for a third you know the city would also be a part of that. And there is well-documented evidence that shows it is not worth the city's investment. It is not worth it for tax dollars, for income tax dollars from the residents of that city to go towards a new stadium because, and in fact, it actively hurts. We might've talked about this before where infrastructure, that that's where the money could be going. It could be going towards education. And instead we want to get, we want to get a new Carolina Panthers stadium and it actually not be a long-term economic boost. So here, yeah. as you mentioned, Doug, I think this is important, right? Like you're getting good it renovations is. for a new stadium, a new practice facility. What I love is the fact that it is in the heart of Uptown. I just, I love that feel, you know, especially yeah. with it being next to the epicenter, which has some plans. We'll see what happens yeah. with that. I, I like that whole feel being in Uptown. 
Well, and, and you should care about this even if you're not in Charlotte because the relationship between the city and the organization, I think, is important. If there's stress there, there's going to be it's going to leak down ultimately into the product. I remember all these stories being written in 2001 and 2002 about how the move and the drama around George Shen, the owner at the time, all of that swirling around the team, I th- I think impacted that team and, and put a ceiling on what that team they they Did brushed he talked it off. about it. Yeah, they brushed it off and said, you know, now we're focusing on the court. But you look, they were playing to empty arena. They were playing to an empty arena at that point, a coliseum that was empty because fans had given up on the team uh, because of all of the drama. So that it had to impact the the product on the floor. So that's why you should care, Walker. I do want to continue to talk about this in the next segment because okay. I think there are two interesting wrinkles uh and one that i'm a little negative about this is not to me this is not all good and i want to talk about that in the next segment yeah i'm interested in that all right coming up next on the lockdown Home Podcast, we're going to talk about what does have doug worried and i'm a little perplexed i'm not exactly sure what it would be so i want to get that take plus we'll also discuss another head coaching candidate not reported but we're speculating. Hopefully, we're actually wishing this guy could be a coaching candidate. We'll talk about that next. Now, before we talk about Built Bar, though, or Built Granola, Built Granola Bars, yeah, we've been asking for something for a long time kind of like that, and Built finally delivered. Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate chocolate galore in different flavors as well if you want to try all three of them you can get a mixed box at built.com right now they're so different from the bars and the puffs built granola bars are loaded with granola and they're still around the 150 calorie mark you get 15 grams of protein only four grams of sugar built granola bars will change your world no matter when you eat them if you want to eat them for a snack if you just want to eat them in the breakfast time where that can get you on the go go to built.com use promo code locked 15 get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com let's see what has doug worried coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets to start this off we all know about lebron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare by the time 2019 closes bismack biombo is planning to have six take that lebron it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Wait for it. Ooh. God, Doug, go ahead, man. <laughs> on the ones and twos. I didn't produce, I didn't produce this. This is uh, my, my but stuff's you coming soon. It. But that's but all I, right, because you brought it. it. I did curate this. This is going to be the most exciting thing for me as far as the new development because you do know my love for music just mm-hmm. to bring in some different beats to spice things up. I think it's phenomenal. That That's the thing that makes me most happy as far as what you've added to the podcast here recently. DJ Doug dancing. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. No, we're keeping it. No, no, don't. Okay. Don't back off. Yeah, step up to the plate with some confidence. Say it with your chest. Ah, DJ we'll- Doug dancing. Yeah, there you go. Right now you're confident. Let's talk about that. What has you worried, Doug? You were talking we were talking about some of the good things this means to see the Spectrum Center go under renovations, get this new practice facility. Yeah. What is something that does have you worried about? Okay, this? so here's an interesting wrinkle and then I'll tell you what what has me concerned. I don't know if worried's the right word, but concerned okay. for sure. Uh, I want to see how this all plays out. The interesting wrinkle 
and I don't know, it's interesting to me, I don't know how interesting this is going to be to everyone else, but it's super interesting to me that when they signed the original lease with the Charlotte Bobcats, then owner Bob Johnson, by the way, if you didn't know trivia, why, why they are called the Bobcats, despite them denying this a lot, I don't know why they're called the, they were called the Bobcats because they were owned by Bob Johnson. <laughs> he wanted to name the team after himself. Like yeah. they went through this whole rigmarole where they, uh, you know, gave it to the fans to decide. And the fa- I think the fans chose, um, the original, the time they voted originally, I think they chose the spirit bef- the first time the Hornets came in. But this time, I think flight may have won. There was I, a I lot of flight talk, at least, even yeah. changing it. Before we knew the Hornets were coming back, I think there was a lot of flight talk. Yeah. The idea anyway, Bobby Anyway, that. Bobby was like, nah, it's the Bobcats. So <laughs> that that's fine. But when they signed the original lease, what was uh, interesting is that they signed this term with the city that the city would be on the hook for renovations every so often. And the, and, and the, the stipulation was that um, the, the facility had to contain uh, features that were featured in 50% of NBA arenas. And when that number fell below 50%, then the city would have to step in. And, and essentially that fee that they had to pay to get the, the arena up to date uh, ballooned to like $175 million that the city ended up having to pay around the time that the Hornets got the All-Star game. They came in and completely redid some things in the arena. But that was terms signed under Bob Johnson. And the city has always been a little aggravated by those terms. They didn't like the fact that like, oh, all of a sudden we have this $175 million payment that we have to make because it's part of the terms of the lease. So I'm I'm interested if this new agreement scraps that and says no if you want stuff you have to come to the city and say here's what we want how much will you pay as opposed to essentially this lease that was like was like uh you know something at their neck saying hey no you have to pay this so that's the interesting wrinkle here's what i'm concerned by the new practice facility that they're going to invest 60 million dollars into is slated to either be constructed on the charlotte transportation center which if you don't know is essentially a giant bus station uh, that we have in Charlotte, we have a hub and spoke or no, it's, it's, it's not a hub and spoke. It, a hub and spoke would be preferable as a bus route. It's everything comes into uptown and goes out of uptown and sort of spreads out. And so it's a large bus station. A lot of people utilize it to get into, uh, to uptown and a, a lot of underserved communities, minority communities, poor communities use that as a resource for transit, either to get into uptown or use it as a means to get across town because everything funnels into that bus station. So my concern is if they build it on top of the transportation center, what happens? As I read it, they're considering moving the transportation center either to another location or underground. I'm not in love with the idea of moving a resource like that underground, especially if it's not going to be state-of-the-art. I want to see the the Charlotte Transportation Center be state-of-the-art if the practice facility is going to be state-of-the-art. I don't want it to be a secondary thought. Well, let's get rid of these. This just serves underserved and minority and poor communities. Let's get rid of that to make room for this entertainment district that they want to build. Well, that's what and, I'm concerned by. No, and and it's it's a good point to bring up. I will say it is nowhere near state of the art as constructed currently standing. Correct. The the transportation center does not look good. I hope to God that it wouldn't be any worse than what it is right well, now. Well, so that's what when moving it underground. That's to me. I just don't like that idea of like, hey, let's shove all of this underground where no one can see it uh you know that's the the idea of it concerns that's why i want to see details i'm not saying that that's what the city of charlotte or these plans Mm -hmm. i would honestly there was some discussion of putting this practice facility 
on the gravel lot next to the transportation center. That to me, that's it. Like do that. And then let's work on getting that Charlotte transportation center looking so that it can live alongside the entertainment district. Yeah, I will say, you know, no, I totally get your point. It would almost be a double benefit if you do have care put into the transportation center. So if this means, because again, it doesn't look good right now, you know, like it, it's not, it, it could be a lot better. And so if that means totally. that there is going to be a better product and it is going to be underground, then fantastic. But if that doesn't mean that, then of course, this yeah. is all of your concerns kind of coming to life and well, coming uh, true. Here's, I will, here's, go ahead. here's what I'll say. I'm bringing up the concern on the show. I, I, here's what I will promise to the people that watch the show live in the city of Charlotte. We Walker and I will get together. We will, we will get something to our representative. I'm serious. We're going to get something to the Charlotte city council. I want to, I want to say these concerns to them, you know, in writing. Um, so if you're watching and you're a city of Charlotte resident and you are also concerned about it, what I would encourage you to do if you can is to let Charlotte city council know, Hey, What's going to happen to the Charlotte Transportation Center if this practice facility gets Did built? Did you just That's sign us up know. for politics? I was worried about where that was going. This is I didn't a, well, <laughs> listen, if, if we're going to get involved in any kind of politics, I think That's it right. should be uh, this kind of politics. Yeah, I guess, and I have I have zero clue what I'm talking about as we go a little bit further into this, but it is a question I will bring to anybody that wants to correct me on it because I am acknowledging my ignorance here. Does underground mean less safe? You know, I, I don't know if that's something that takes place. If it's Details, better, that's what that's yeah. what we're asking. We're not. I'm not in the. I'm not in the critique mode right now. I'm in the. I'm in the curious yeah. mode. I, I'm in the want more details about what it what it means for the Charlotte Transportation Center. Uh, that that this all happens. The, the other thing is, you know, Doug, as we talk about this, so here we are asking for this to be not state of the yard, but I would ask for it to be a better transportation center than what it looks like right now, even if it is underground and if it is going to be better, where are the funds for that coming from? Is that baked into the cake as we talk about all of this, or is that going to come from the general fund, income mm -hmm. tax, taxpayer dollars? And that's what scares me a little bit. Are we saying that could be avoided if we go to the gravel lot? I don't yeah, know what yeah. kind of, you know, I, right? There are lots of questions. Again, a lot of this I have zero clue about. This There's is gonna be here's the thing. thing. I here's the th I don't care. I, there are gonna be a few people that watch this and listen to this that are very interested. And that's, you know, we're in the off season, so I'm I'm okay with devoting some time to something that I think is is yeah. really important. And, and, and you know, now I, I feel now fully ready to move on to actual basketball talk. Okay. Did you just stop me midpoint and say I'm done hearing you talk about this? <laughs> is that what happened? Why can't I talk for, about it? Well, no, I'm I, I feel like this is very important, but I'm also advocating for the listener who's like, I don't even live in Charlotte. Get to the I want to know about the coaching updates. That was that was rude. I was I'm just sorry. talking about it. I was wrapping up though, to be fair to you. All right. I guess done. Check. Moving on, we'll get away from that as much as we can. Let's talk about a coaching candidate once again. And Quinn Snyder, so Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted this out yesterday and had a report on ESPN that it looks more and more likely that Quinn Snyder, at least it's more and more of a possibility, that Quinn Snyder himself could uh, could decide to lead the or to leave, I'm not talking well, to leave the Utah Jazz organization. There is an extension that has been offered to him, but he hasn't signed it yet. There's a difference in philosophy between 
Danny Ainge and Quinn Snyder and the higher ups of the Utah Jazz basketball organization. And Donovan Mitchell Quinn. and Rudy Gobert. Well, yeah, there's definitely some philosophical differences there between their two star players. And look, this has been something coming for a long time as far as the roster breakup. Rudy Gobert, that's the guy you would most assume is going to be gone via trade. But Donovan Mitchell, it's it's not crazy to think that they could just completely blow it up. If you move on from Rudy, you move on from Donovan, you move on from Quinn Snyder and go full-on rebuild, that's something that could take place. Let's shift this to the Hornets' focus and, and, and side of things. It looks like Quinn Snyder, if he left the Jazz organization, one, the Hornets' job is the only one left right now. So that would be his only you know crossover. That's not going to happen. That, yeah, it's, it's Hornets or take a break. Yeah. And, and take a break is what I would imagine Quinn Snyder would do. You know, now if, if Mitch Kupchak wants and Michael Jordan and the Hornets, they want to play this even longer, not hire a coach. We all laughed when Mitch Kupchak said, we're going to have a coach in place by the draft. Like, duh, I hope so. That's right. like beyond three weeks from now. Be nice. But I guess if you want to wait to see if Quinn Snyder would be willing to do this, then that kind of changes stuff. Either way, Doug, Quinn Snyder's going to take a break, man. Like he's going to take a break for a year and then I think he's going to take uh, get back into NBA action. You're not so sure? I think you're being quite presumptuous to I know am, exactly sure. what Quinn Snyder is feeling, thinking, especially if he were to make this decision to leave the Jazz. You know, that, that gives the Charlotte Hornets an opportunity to make their case. And anyone that was frustrated by the patience that the organization was showing and you know Michael Jordan being on vacation and waiting until he got back from vacation. Yeah, is it patience you know, or is it just not planning? You know, I don't well, know. Well, I just are. you know I, I saw some stuff in the chat because you know we've been doing this twenty four seven live stream, so people were up in the chat commenting on different things. I'm seeing I've seen a lot of comments that are vacation shaming Michael Jordan, and I just don't. I knew it was I, coming. Yeah, I know, but you know, let's everybody is allowed a little break. So you know, let's let's uh, hold off on the vacation shaming. They would ask about the timing, though, Doug. Does this okay. timing make sense for you? I'm just telling you, like that's I I can understand. But you know, that's a personal thing. Look, I, it's it's his. He knows when he needs a break. You want you listen. If your owner's going to make a decision that big. I think you would want him to come with a fresh That's right. sense. Like I got a, you know, I went to the spa, I got a massage, my head's clear. Uh, you know, I'm ready to make this decision as opposed to being like super stressed out. You know, come on. Uh, An out anyway. of market vacation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so interesting. Anyway, uh, so what I'm saying is, if you were frustrated by that, I think this gives you a little pause in that thinking. And in terms of could that patience pay off if Quinn Snyder were to come available? I mean, I honestly. You know, you know, I've been riding the Dan Tony train uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, I like Dan Tony. I like what he would bring. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Quinn Snyder has that same head coaching experience that they're looking for, has the 50 win experience, has mm -hmm. the star guard uh, management experience, although you know uh not like james harden or steve nash right well, no and, and but Chris donovan Paul, mitchell, you know i don't know what that's the interesting question though what's the drama is the drama between rudy gobert and donovan mitchell is there any drama between donovan mitchell and quinn snyder was was there a breakdown in that relationship so i think that, those would be interesting questions to to pose if the hornets were interested in quinn snyder to figure that out but i think i think you know certainly if you're the hornets and he does make that decision you should aggressively move to uh, see if, if he's hireable. Yeah, to put it in simple terms, he's your number one choice if available.
I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I don't think so. I'm sorry. I was hedging there. I was hedging because I'm. You almost made me call for the hot take machine. I know. Dog. I know. You I'm, avoided I'm, it. I'm, I don't want to hurt Dan Tony's feelings. Um, I'm really, I'm just, I'm concerned that I'm going to hurt Dan Tony's feelings. Uh, but yes, Quinn Snyder, I think, would, because he's younger, he could be here long term. Uh, I think he would be a great fit in Charlotte. Yeah, and, and he's he's a great coach too. Like, let's call it what it is, man. You know, having that roster be that successful in the regular season, if you want to point to the lack of postseason success, fine. At the same time, that's what their roster is. It's Donovan Mitchell, it's Rudy Gobert, it's Joe Ingles, and then it was an older, kind of disappointing Mike Conley to try to put them over the hump, and it just never really worked out. And we know the limitations that Rudy Gobert has and even a Donovan Mitchell to some extent. So um, even if he's given us some postseason uh, performance that were very good. I want to finish up with some Quinn Snyder analysis on the other side. Also, we'll try to get to some mantras. If I let you. Yeah, if you you might just stop me. <laughs> you know, it's a basketball take, so maybe you'll just yeah, let I me hurt talk. Your, I can, clearly, I hurt your feelings. And I'm you sorry. did. Well, of course you did. You stopped me dead. I, I guess it wasn't in the middle. I guess you kind of assumed that I was going to be wrapping up. But still, you know what they say when you assume. I'm just telling you, like, it felt that you were assuming I was done and I just would like to finish. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Our partners at Bet Online can oh coming up next. I need to say that if I'm gonna tease it, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Montrez Harrell, give the player capsule. There is one really interesting stat comparing Montrez Harrell to Mason Plumley that Doug shared with me before we started recording. And I want to get to that. All right, our partners at Bet Online continue to continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs. Sports info. So find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures bets. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's learn about that interesting Trez Mason stat coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continued success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which I would love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Another great beat. We'll talk about Montrez Harrell coming up in just a moment and get to that interesting stat. I do want to talk a little more about Quinn Snyder. Um, just kind of looking at his cred, what he's done with the Utah Jazz. I looked up his coaching record. First thing I notice is it, it feels weird because I, I thought Quinn Snyder had been coaching the Jazz longer than what he actually had. And it's still pretty long. It's it's close to a decade. It just feels like he's been the coach there forever. And and yet, it, I think it was 2014, 2015 was his first year. Has an under 500 record. I think wins 30-something games, maybe 28. But then his second year with the Jazz, he goes 40 and 42 and then is well above 500 really every year after that. This has always been a team, too, Doug, that's had that almost superstar, but not quite, you know, like an all-star. You know, Gordon Hayward, 
I don't think had the same kind of cachet that Donovan Mitchell has had over the last few years. And Rudy Gobert is historic at what he does, rim protecting. But I don't know if Rudy Gobert is not a superstar, even if he is great defensively. But he's always found ways to maximize that roster in the regular season. You know, he cares about the right kind of shots. He shoots a ton of three-pointers. I think he plays to his player's strengths, I think, both defensively and offensively. And then in the playoffs, it's a player-driven league at some point, and you got to have the horses to go win series. And eventually, that's just what it comes down to. And so I, I don't think he's had enough when going against some of these other franchises. I, I totally agree with you, though. Quinn Snyder, he'd be my, my number one option. And that does add, like, the Gordon Hayward wrinkle is kind of interesting. You know, bringing in somebody that worked with Gordon before, if the Hornets are stuck with him, right? Because, you know, you can hate Gordon Hayward being on this roster. And if that's so, then you can't be surprised if no other team wants to trade for him, right? Like, if you're saying, I don't like Gordon Hayward because he's not very good for that money then you can't say, well, why didn't the Hornets trade him? You know, because maybe another team can't trade for him because they don't want that contract either. My point is, if you have to make this work, Quinn Snyder would be a good guy to have that thing work along with dealing with LaMelo Ball and having some young talent to work with here, getting you that oh-so-coveted number of 50 wins. I think both of us share that same idea. Quinn Snyder's the number one guy, if he's available. So it would be nice. Um, right, do you feel heard? Do you feel like I've allowed you the space... I didn't heard. tell that. I felt like you were just waiting for me. <laughs> I felt like you were just waiting for me to shut up so you could ask if I feel heard. Yeah. All right. Hey, so we're uh, we're recording these uh, epi or we're recording today's episode. I don't know if this is going to continue. All of this is experimental. We're just trying things, folks. But we're right now we are recording this episode live on YouTube. I don't know. Again, I don't know if we're going to continue to do this, but we're doing it right now. And Timothy on the chat does have a question okay. that we can get to very briefly before we go to Montrez Harrell. I want to take care of the chat here so we can encourage more people to chat timothy asks what would it take to move up in the nba draft and get jalen duran what would it take well i know there's been uh, look I, I understand the cba is hard to understand at times and some people think you can't trade the first two picks this year other people think you can't no i you, you can trade the first two picks you you can the 13 and the 15 you can move up i think the rule people are considering is that you can't have you can't go two years in a row without having a first round pick. And maybe mm -hmm. people are worried about the protection with the Knicks first rounder that goes to New York because of the Kai Jones trade. If you traded both of them and you did not have that Knicks trade, that that could come into effect, but that's not taking place. I need so an only, Advil. I know. I mean, I'm you're sorry. Giving me a headache. I, I, I know. I understand. It's all very weird. The very simplest answer the question. Again, you, you, this is you not can brief. trade these. What I would think it take? Would, I think, I think, look, if you get to 10, and Jalen Duran is not taken, then maybe 13 and 15 does it. You know, like, I, I don't know what other player you'd be willing to give up, right? Yeah, like that's I, it. That's, so that's where I will disagree with you. I don't okay. think 13 and 15 are going to be able to, because you got to move, you probably have to move up to like seven or eight. Uh, I don't think he's top five. You know, yeah. you, you would have to be sure that he's not going to go six, but I think seven or I think Portland's around that area. You go, you try to, you try to snag it from Portland. I don't think they want 13 and 15. I do think they want young players. I think PJ Washington is going to be a player that you might, if you wanted to move up, is a, is a young talent, somebody that would be uh, desirable. Um, that's the kind of thing I think you have to give up. But great question, Timothy. I think it's going to be really interesting what they do uh, and if they fall in love enough with Duren 
because it's all about like, ooh, PJ, you know what you got. And it's improving, but you know what you got. Duran is that shiny new car on the lot. Like you don't, it could be a sports car. It could be a lemon. Oh, and real quickly, just to go back to the Advil portion of that whole segment, <laughs> it's uh, it, you would be getting a first round pick anyway. I think most people were kind of confused as to trading 13 and 15 for a player and then not mm-hmm. getting a pick in return. But as, as far as I understand, still pretty sure you can do that. So, anyways, those are just some of the things. You get Bobby yes. Marks on. That's what we need to do. He you know, and he he knows he knows a little bit more than I do. Maybe a whole lot more. Um, yeah, I I think if if he falls to ten, I think that's when you start to look to see if you can move up. And I think thirteen and fifteen can be valuable. But I'm not like I'm not giving up PJ to move up to six. You know, like I, I'm not. Unless you just know for a fact that you're not going to re-sign him, if that's a plan you already have in place, but you know, if, if I'm not giving up PJ. I I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think he has to go to kind of get to that like he has to fall nine ten, and then you might look to make some moves. Um, that is a good question. We appreciate it. All right, let's get to Montrez because they might need a center. Uh, not having Mason Plumley and not having Montrez Harrell on this roster, Doug. Montrez Harrell, a guy that the Hornets traded for at the deadline. They got rid of this Smith. They also traded Vernon Carey. And in exchange, got Mont- uh, Montrez Harrell in a contract year, so you didn't have any long-term commitment to him. He mm-hmm. filled the need at least offensively at the five mm-hmm. spot. I thought he was very good offensively for Charlotte. Yeah. He, he immediately provided... A pick and roll, uh, a pick and roll weapon for Lamelo. They were awesome together. It's yeah. a guy that cared with every fiber of his being, every single play. You know, he's not good defensively, fair enough. No. But offensively, he cares. He rebounds. He'll dunk it. He'll get in your face. He's an enforcer. I will always be very fond. I will look back fondly on the Montrez Harrell stint, however short it might be. So, yeah, 25 games played. His points per shot attempt, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, 135.9. That puts him in the 90th percentile of bigs uh, on a decent usage, above average usage for his position. And an assist percentage of 13%, that's in the 74th uh, percentile and didn't turn the basketball over a lot. I mean, he was just a... An extremely efficient player, and and I'll add one more good thing. He injected energy yeah. into this Hornets team in a time, if you remember, around around that trade deadline, the Hornets were were flagging. They were not looking very good. Uh, you know, Lamelo was in a slump. There were all kinds of things going on, and it looked like the Hornets were heading for a tailspin. And I think you know Montrez came in and reinvigorated everyone. He was good friends with Terry. Thought he helped Terry a lot too. It was a it was a good you know, short-term pickup. Had they made the playoffs, I think he could have even had a bigger impact. Well, and Montrez, after the season, talked about how he wanted more playing time. Look, I, I agree with him. I understand that that might rub you the wrong way. I agree with him. I think Montrez should have played. Let's even go back to that playing game against Atlanta. We discussed how nobody showed up but P.J. Washington, who was really good. He was the only really good player. But Trez was also somebody that deserves credit. He got he got to the foul line. He was extremely active. I think he finished some and ones, and I think he even hit his free throws when he went to the line. Like, that's somebody that cared. And he talked about it in his exit interview. You know, we were getting punked, and that didn't sit well with me. I wanted to go back in there and help my team, and, and Trez just didn't get a ton of time. I thought... His fit with LaMelo specifically was just so good, but even you talking about that energy. Yeah, I I really like what he brought, understanding what he is, right? Not the long-term answer at center, but understanding what he was. I thought he, you know, (laughs) a level 11 out of 10 was awesome in that specific role. 
had physicality on offense. Mm-hmm. And and so I've got one more one more stat for you. One yeah, I love more the stat. stat. Take that for data. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Uh, this is B-Ball Index. Uh, they've got a little plot here. A lot, of, lot of headshots in this plot. Uh, but let me tell everyone that can't see this what this is. So it's on the x-axis is putbacks per 75 possessions. And then on the y-axis is the efficiency of those putbacks. So essentially it's measuring how often did they get involved in the putback game and then how efficient were they in the putback game. And if you look all the way up at the top of this plot, which is where where you want to be, um, is Montrez Harrell uh, is it looks like around two and a half putbacks per seventy five possessions and a one point four points per possession, which really le- essentially led all bigs in the league according to B Ball Index. More than Giannis, more than Gobert, more than Nikola Jokic. His putback game was absolutely elite. Yeah, when he did it, right, and and mind you, like when when Doug says at the very top of the graphic, it is not him alongside a couple of other guys that are close. He is literally number one on the he was y axis. When he stable did it, putbacks, he was point per possession. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, who is dead last on that y axis, Doug? And I mean dead last, sole possession, dead last. Yeah, so uh, not great efficiency and didn't do it very often is Mason Plumley. Um, I mean, we had number one and two. The Hornets had number one and number two. Well, in it, well, look, or, or no, excuse want, me, number one know, and dead last. Sorry. You want some variety, right, in, <laughs> in your rotation. You want your centers to do some different things. I, I think you, you know, if I go to this graph here and get my pointer on the screen, you can see where Mason Plumley is here down at the bottom. You kind of want him to be somewhere in maybe this middle ground. Um, trying yeah. to see some other players that are on. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Nurkic is here. Um. Uh, oh, who's that cat? This is like uh, I can't see again. very well. I need yeah, a it's, it's tough. Shingoon, you, you want him in this Shingoon area, uh, probably below the Kevin Love Porzingis area. Uh, that don't do a lot of putbacks. Um, but when they do them, do them at at an efficiency level that is considered average. You know, one point one would be a decent uh points per possession. So you know that's where you would want Mason. Unfortunately, he wasn't there. Um, part of what we went over, uh, you know, he's not a very physical, he's not going to get involved in that kind of thing. And when he does, he wasn't very efficient. Yeah. And so if you look even close, right, who, who are the guys that attempted the most of those types of shot and who are the guys that were most efficient there? You're looking at a lot of athletic, tall dudes. Okay. You know, you have athletic, you have tall, and then you have the Venn diagram in which all these guys fit, right? Mitchell Robinson is probably in the number one spot of having a ton of volume and being extremely efficient. In terms of volume, it's it's Drummond, Hassan Whiteside, and Mitchell Robinson. And look, this, you know, when I talk about what Rudy Gobert would do for this team, I mean, look at Gobert and look at Mitchell Robinson. I mean, either of these players, I would take in an absolute heartbeat. Um, Gobert's like this, top 10 in volume, and he's, you know, top huge. four or five in efficiency, where Trez is one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it, it's there needs to be more types of offense, right? But at the same time, just with that stat, it, it helps you. And Trez was number one. So, look, I, I don't think he's going to come back on this team. No. New coach certainly changes that a little. If it was James Borrego, I don't think there's a shot. That he and you need depth. Back. It's not yeah. again. I've been saying this like they need multiple answers at the center slash power forward position. They're thin, thin, thin. So yeah, 
it's not impossible with the you're right new coach not impossible but i don't see it as a yeah i don't either problem is money too you know i mean they don't they don't have money to work with he wants to be a starter he wants to be a starter he's not going to start on this team yeah um but i did love trez man he was fun had some good scuffles on the court with trez out there you know yeah, I, and you, look, they need that. They I mean, this team needs toughness. It needs physicality. It needs players that are willing to be that enforcer. Um, so if they can't, if if Mon, they just need that player to be okay with playing on the bench. And I just said that he wouldn't be a starter on this team. Why? Uh, it, as it's currently constructed, you got to have somebody at the center position that can defend. Uh, yeah. It's what the problem with Mason Plumley is that he he struggled uh, to be a rim protector. And when you have guards that can't defend and can't keep guys in front. You got to counter that, and, and Montrez is not going to counter that. And just real quickly to end, I thought Trez was awesome to listen to whenever he talked to the media. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, one long Smart. answers and being real, right? Yeah. There's my dog scratching you know, the neck, so apologize for the jangle jangle going on in the background. <laughs> but Montrez Harrell, I thought was awesome That's to listen real. to. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, just just I'm, I'm going to miss that, right? Hearing the candid takes, and he's not you know just giving you something he thinks and then being done in five seconds. He's going to give you long, thoughtful answers and give you the truth, which I thought was great from Montrez. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Make your second listen, Lockdown NBA, from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. 24-7 Walker and Doug access is ridiculous. That's a thing that we're doing on that channel. But if you don't want to go to YouTube, you can also check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.